you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? <laughs> well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, from the Carl Sagan and Andrian Theater at the Center for Inquiry in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Hello, Helen. Wonderful to see you. Hi, J. Keith. It's so nice to be here at the Center for Inquiry. You know, if I had to describe it just off the top of my head, I would say the Center for Inquiry is an educational nonprofit dedicated to science, reason, and the right of free thinkers everywhere. That's right, Jay Keith. And you can find them at centerforinquiry.org. That is such a you thing to say. <laughs> right? Helen, it's wonderful to see you. Uh, this is, I think is going to drop sometime in February, but this is our last recording of the year right before the holidays are oh, coming up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Happy holidays. And to you as well. Do you have a favorite Christmas memory? No, see, my parents are immigrants, so I never thought Santa Claus was real. Because <laughs> they were like, we work our asses off to buy you this shit. There's no, I think that's an important message for the kids. There's no imaginary grant. This is like yeah. my hard work and sweat. So, you, like, you better get straight A's. So we did uh, participate in the Santa Claus groupthink, uh, <laughs> I guess for, <laughs> for for a while. The difference in our family, and and I think this gave us a clue that my father might be involved in in the myth, was that instead of leaving uh, cookies and milk, uh, he instructed us to leave for Santa uh, cheese and wine. <laughs> And let me tell you, they were gone by the morning. <laughs> That's funny. It is. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Helen, let's get started and meet today's guest. Who is up first? He is a writer and comedian who co-hosts the hit podcast, The Dollop, and whose new comedy album, Riddled with Disease, is available now. It's Gareth Reynolds. Gareth Reynolds. Hi, Gareth. Hi, Gareth. Hello, sir. Nice to see you. Hello. Hi, everybody. Excellent. Wonderful to have you here. Wonderful uh, to be here. How do you celebrate a, a first album uh, release? Uh, <laughs> I went and had uh, two martinis with a friend of mine and an Impossible Burger and then went to bed very <gasps> early. Yeah. Wow. That sounds amazing. It was pretty good. Yeah. It was pretty good. I'm it, not going to lie. That's yeah. going to encourage you perhaps to make a follow-up album. I think if I, I... Well, I mean, I set the bar pretty low, so okay. yeah. Let's see. Maybe <laughs> next time four people will be there something wild like uh, that. How do you decide on the material to put on your first record? Slowly deciding what bits work the best mm -hmm. and sort of culling it. And so you don't use the worst down. bits on your new record. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't lead in that direction. I'm oh, brave. That's interesting. Very how brave. Do you yeah. do, how do you decide a name for an album? Because I don't have a comedy album yet, and I've spent literally my entire comedy career thinking of like the name before actually coming out with the album. Well, mine is re referenced in a bit on the album, so that helped. Like it felt like there was like a line that was really. Jumping out at people. Yeah, and then I had someone make a poster for to sell at shows, and he went with that theme. And so I was like, okay. So then Riddled with Disease just kind of... Is the poster you riddled with disease? The poster is me with a marsupial on my head, and I'm sweating. Uh, I'm visibly sweating. Got it. Yeah. Puts people in the mood to laugh. Yeah, it's yeah. an attractive look, yeah. for sure, J. Keith. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> now, while uh, you're going to be touring in Australia... 
Yeah, for in support of the the record. Now the Dollop podcast is very big there as well. It's big everywhere. You get about five million listens a month or something like that. Yeah, and but it, it is very popular in Australia. What do you I don't, attribute that to? I don't know. They're very weird people. It's, uh, <laughs> they. I think part of it is that our show is for the most part American history. So I think there's some fun laughing at Americans, and then also I think they just have really warped senses of humor. All right. And now, as I mentioned, it gets over four million uh, listens a month. When did you realize that this show was taking off in popularity? Pretty quickly, it felt like it, it was more popular than anything I'd done in my 12 years at that point in L.A. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'll go with this. And what have been some of the, the, the cool parts that have come out of uh, having such a popular show? Having guests on, like the first time we had Patton Oswalt on, I was like, this is very crazy. Yeah. And uh, eventually, like talking to Patton and going on the road with him, I was like, this is normal. Uh, <laughs> this is fine. And I should be doing this. And then really going, being able to travel so much and do it. I mean, you know, we get to do like one show a night and like a theater and it's just very charmed and easy and and great you know it's great you cover a lot of different topics on the show were there ones that were your favorites or ones that especially surprised you to learn more about there's a lot that have surprised me george washington we've done two on and the idea that like we were like hey he had wooden teeth it's like no his mouth was a hall of nightmares he had like (laughs) like his his mouth was just like horse teeth and human teeth kind of like bridged together with twine like and it never fit his mouth properly and that's why like in every painting i was gonna say picture but that shows you how smart I am. Uh, <laughs> in every painting, his mouth is shut because his, if he were to open it, he would be like, <laughs> and the other is that when he died, he died from bloodletting. So he basically died from like, he got pneumonia from like not having a jacket on, which is not smart. And then he didn't want to get out of his wet clothes. His mom was right. His mother was right. Yeah. He didn't want to get out of his wet clothes. And then his buddies just kept coming over for three days being like, let's take a liter out of him. <laughs> and they just did that until he died. Wow. Yeah. Wait, I'm still, I'm still, like, I'm just trying to imagine, like, this, he's this great statesman. He's the father of our country. He's giving speeches at Constitution Hall, and his teeth are jacked. Yeah, and the whole time, that's why so many people showed up. They were like, you got to see this dude's mouth. This dude's mouth. Look at this guy. I'm going to vote for this guy because yeah. I, this guy's like a Bond villain, and we don't even know what Bond is yet. <laughs> Uh, among your work as a writer, you got to write for Arrested Development. I did, yeah. No uh, way. Yes. Yeah. A show yeah. many people enjoy. Yeah. How does that writer's room compare to others? Because we imagine viewing it. That must be crazy. It is crazy. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it's crazy on a, for a number of different reasons. But the idea, first of all, that like you're working with... Like, I mean, I just never would have ever expected that. And I was working with these people who'd come up with these jokes that I are so iconic. Mm-hmm. And to be around them, I mean, it is just like the level of talent was off the charts in that room. It's also crazy because you write so many different versions of things because Mitch is very impulsive and calculated, but also very impulsive mm-hmm. and just wants a lot of options. But the first time I like walked into the set, I was like, this is really weird. You know, <laughs> yeah. like definitely felt like I should not be there. And, yeah. <laughs> how how uh, mapped out are, are the episodes? Because they're so intricate and there's so many different callbacks and jokes that, you know, start with a setup in the first episode, pay off in the last one. Yeah. Is it, it hard to keep track of all oh, that? Oh, yes. So hard. There were, I mean, there were many times where I would just like, we would be working on something. And I'd be like, I literally don't know what's going on right now but it's very meticulous very mapped out it's also like you do so many versions of it that like when I would watch it I would be like I don't know what joke I wrote what joke I, d- I mean mm-hmm. honestly you were just like I have no clue because you wrote everything a hundred times you wow. know yeah uh, that's terrific yeah. uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, you have a kitty cat 
I do. <laughs> Boy, look at the soft side of you coming out there. The way you said kitty cat. Yeah, I'm, I'm Adorable. kind of a tough guy. Kind yeah, of a, I know. Kind of a good-looking rebel who plays by his own rules. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I didn't know you could smoke in here, and I don't think you can, but you don't care. <laughs> I don't care about look the rules. You, yeah. yeah. Also, it's really warm, and this leather jacket is not coming off, though. <laughs> Your cat is named Jose, Yes. and you did not give it that name, did you? No, no. He just, a friend of mine literally was just like called me and I mean, obviously knew the way to get me to take a cat. It was like, this cat's going to get killed today unless you take it. And I was like, well, bring him over. And uh, and then she just was like, I've been calling him Jose. And I was like, it really looks like a Jose to me. He and looks just, like a Jose? Yeah. Wait, but he doesn't call, he doesn't come when you call him. Well, you don't know that, Helen. <laughs> yeah, um, what, is, what assumption is that? I do, because he's a cat. Well, <laughs> I My mean, cats come when I call them. Yeah, One see? of them, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. Wait, yeah. so what happens when you say, Jose? Well, nothing. You're right, but uh, <laughs> nothing happens. He's a cat, but it's a cat, like you said. Yeah. Well, it's wonderful to finally meet you, and wonderful to have Likewise. you here. Gareth Reynolds, ladies Thank and gentlemen. Helen, against whom will Gareth be competing? She is an actor, writer, and musician whose comedy videos have earned her millions of social media followers and tens of millions of views. It's Ali Spagnola. Ali Spagnola. Hey. Hi, Ali. Ali, I know you from Twitter. It's so fun to see you in person because I enjoy your videos so much. <laughs> good to see you too, non digitally. Do you know me from Twitter? Yeah, of course. Everyone. Okay, thank you. Everyone. Uh, good, good save, Ali. Yeah. Good save. Uh, well, Ali, you do so many different things, but sort of the theme running through uh, that, that you name it is outrageous. You're, you're there to celebrate and, and to be outrageous. What, what does that mean to you? Um, living an interesting story and doing things just to be fun. Excellent. Well, they really are fun. Uh, you, you work in, and put work up on many different platforms. How do you decide what to put uh, where? Oh, yeah, that's rough. I guess it's just like you need to format things for how wherever they live. So if it's on TikTok, it's going to be vertical. And if it's on YouTube, it's going to be really long. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. By really long, do you mean five minutes? Fifteen now. What? what? I know. Who is watching 15 minutes worth of anything? <laughs> right? I know. People that follow me, I guess. Yeah, dang right they wow. are. Uh, you do so many different things uh, with your videos, and they're so fun. Uh, some of the biggest hits that you've had have been mashups of different kind of musical yeah. styles. What's the one that's got like over 2 million views? There's one that is called When You Don't Know the Words, and I just put a bunch of songs together mm -hmm. that people always mess up the words and basically flub through the entire thing, and that yeah. one really took off. Yeah. Well, you've got real musicianship uh, behind it, uh, which I think is, is, is what makes these uh, so special. You've also done a, a mashup. It was Billie Eilish mixed with... I turned her song into a happy song as if it was done by Megan Trainer. Okay. Ah, <laughs> which song? Which song? bad guy mm -hmm. <laughs> and I made it major and gave it a key change and yeah. really uplifting yeah well you're, you you come by this music knowledge honestly you actually studied music theory yes I did in college and through high school that's really fun Wait, what did your parents say about that they were so supportive they were <laughs> it was too easy I didn't have to fight anything what <laughs> yeah they were you like, told sure. your parents that you were gonna major in music theory and they were like great no actually I said I'm gonna major in art and then also study music theory and they were fine with and it. they were okay <laughs> yeah. wow. oh my god white people. <laughs> Jeez. One of my favorite things that you do in your videos is uh, you do a lot of videos that have a wonderful musical aspect, but they're looped and it's hard to see where the loop actually happens in there. Because like, for instance, you'll be playing the piano and singing a song and then all of a sudden you'll be in a different outfit or all of a sudden you'll be in a different place. Uh, how do you put those together? I was born with magic and oh. I just put that into my videos. Excellent. And that's how you decided to use your magic yes. was, for, was for videos on Twitter? <laughs> for 12-year-olds on TikTok, yes. 
<laughs> is it what is the average age of a TikTok user? Yeah, it's like that. It's twelve. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's why I'm not connecting with anybody on TikTok. <laughs> you guys listening, who obviously we attract a lot of twelve-year-olds who are listening to the podcast, please follow Helen on TikTok. I'm not even. Is that I'm, what you do? Do you I'm follow not, on TikTok? I'm not even on TikTok. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> So you've gotten, obviously, from having millions of listens and views, you've gotten a lot of reactions, uh, many of them positive, but also some negative, and you decided to do something about that negative response that you get as a internet star. Yeah, I did. I wrote a song made out of mean comments, so... Oh, this is so... Oh, I'm cringing already. <laughs> yeah, that's actually one of the comments, so... <laughs> <laughs> Helen, was that you? Are you, are you Allie Hater 229? <laughs> I like actually disable YouTube comments on a lot of my videos because it's so people get so mean. You sound mentally healthy. <laughs> okay. Well, why why do you want to have comments on? And then how did you decide uh, to do something positive with the negative? I want to have comments on because everyone in my field says that you need feedback and need to hear what your audience has yeah. to say, even if it is this is so cringe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ha have you actually gotten uh, feedback that's been helpful, though, aside from uh, oh. positive comments? I get a lot of help on Instagram with my form on lifting. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I should point out you, you do a lot of fitness videos of, of yourself yeah. lifting stuff, and people, and people do people help. They want to tell me how to squat. Yeah. Are, are those mostly men? <laughs> It seems so. Yeah, that's interesting. I would have, I'm kind of predicted that. Uh, but again, so tell us about uh, how, you, how you took this negative comments and, and made this song and then made a video of it. Yeah, so then the song has lyrics like, that's so gay and what a waste and fix your face. And then the chorus is about how you're wonderful and don't let them get to you. And it's very uplifting. Oh. And it's super catchy and kind of like musical theatery. And there's a, an insane music video to go with it that was shot with a drone in one take. Wow. Wow. And did you find that cathartic, that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. And I'm sure you got no negative comments on it. No, of course not. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Happy endings. We're going to beg for it. One thing I wanted to ask you before you got into to this, you worked in an interesting line of work that still involved music. Mm -hmm. You actually wrote ringtones. Yeah. For phones. I worked uh, for Google. That's so, so cool. What, what ringtones uh, did you do? There were a couple that actually had my name in them. So Radiation by Spagnola was, came out on like all of the phones when I was working there, and then there's another one called Robots for Everyone. Could you hum a few bars? <laughs> it's actually funny. Robots for Everyone had lyrics in it, which is so bizarre what? for a ringtone, right? I'd actually just written the song, and someone that worked at Google reached out to me and said, we want to put this on all our phones because it's a cute song about robots. And I was like, absolutely, of course. What? But the lyrics to the song are about robots, so it's nuts and bolts, circuits and wires is how the song opens. Except that when you answer your phone... You know, it's 15 seconds into the ringing, and so the song would go nuts, and then you'd answer your phone. <laughs> so, like, millions of people have just heard me say the word nuts. <laughs> and again, your parents, very supportive of this. So supportive. So supportive, wow. excellent. Wow. We're supportive and happy to have you. Miss Allie Spagnola. Uh, Allie and Gareth, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you some expertise. Gareth, you said you know a lot about the Green Bay Packers from the 1990s until now, the movie Back to the Future, and animals. Whereas Allie, you said you know a lot about the TV show Futurama, the TV show Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and CrossFit. 
And by the way, this is the longest anyone I've ever known to have done CrossFit to have gone without mentioning it. So very, very well done. We appreciate that. I did talk about squatting. We did talk about squatting. All right. Even so, that was quite a nice break. Well, later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of these topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, two fry fry, hush hush. Thank you, Clint. First up in two fry fry, Gareth. Gareth, your question comes from a listener, Amanda Hull of LaPorte, Indiana. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to GoFactorPod.com and click on Get Involved. Gareth, in the topic of two fry fry, they both are ways of heating up food on a stovetop, but what is the difference between pan frying and sauteing? Pan frying and sauteing. Oh, no. Um, oh, yes. Uh... Good lord, I would say pan. I, <laughs> this is not going to go well. But uh, <laughs> I, spirit. I, I would say that it is probably the cooking technique. That pan fry is probably where you let something sit uh, for longer, mm-hmm. and where sautéing is probably quicker movements. Quicker movements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell by your reaction. I'm right near where the answer is. <laughs> Well, we'll find out later, but first it's a chance for Allie to give her take. You can agree or disagree with that. What do you think? Uh, Obviously, pan frying is with oil and sauteing is with butter. Okay. All right. It feels like mine is probably wrong now because (laughs) Allie seems really confident in her. It's not the truth. It's just how you present it. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Well, this segment has gone from the frying pan and into the fire. Let's go to Helen Hawk at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both sauteing and pan frying are done in a shallow, wide pan using only a little oil or butter. But the difference is, well, let's just say size matters. You pan fry large pieces of food like a fish fillet or a tofu steak. You saute small pieces of food, usually something you cut into little pieces beforehand, like mushrooms or cubes of tofu. That's right. By the way, every example of food that Helen just gave is something that I don't eat. Uh, (laughs) Also, stir-frying is actually really a misnomer, since it usually involves those small pieces you are actually sautéing and not frying. But try ordering chicken stir-sauté at a Chinese restaurant. Helen, what does that mean as far as our points go? I'm going to say zero points for both of you. I'm going to say that as well, but still a valiant effort. All right. All right, up next in Two Fry Fry, Allie. Allie, they both are things used to heat food on a stovetop, but what is the difference between a saute pan and a skillet? A saute pan and a skillet. A saute pan is flat and a skillet has ridges. Has ridges. Less confidence coming out of you than what? before. No, that's perfect. That's the final answer. The final answer. All right. We don't know yet if she is correct. Gareth, what do you think? I'll say that a saute pan <laughs> has more angles to it. Don't laugh, Allie. This is important. And uh, <laughs> and what's the other one? <laughs> I believe it was skillet. And a skillet is more flat. And a skillet is more flat. Yeah. All right. Well, this segment is not panning out. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. They are both large, wide, shallow pans, but the difference is a saute pan has straight, vertical sides. This gives it a very wide bottom, so as much heat as possible can get to those chopped up pieces that you are sauteing. A skillet has slanted or curved sides, so it has a smaller bottom, like me. (laughs) The curved sides allow easier access for a spatula, make the food easier to toss, and allow food, like an omelet, to easily slide out. That's right. Also, a saute pan usually has a lid, and a skillet usually does not. Uh, And if you're a cartoon character, they both are things you can use to conk someone on the head. (laughs) 
but learn from my mistake. Don't do it in real life. <laughs> Helen, what does that mean as far as our points go? Uh, neither one of you got that one either. No, nice. Allie, you got, Allie, you were on the right track, but I think you reversed it. So I'm sorry, no points there. Mm. What is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, Gareth Reynolds has zero points and Ali Spagnola has zero points. What a close game. Those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. It's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. Together we're The Flophouse. A podcast where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Movies like Space Hobos, Into the Outer Reaches of the Unknown and the Things That We Don't Know, the movie, and also, who's that grandma? Zazzle Zippers, Breakdown 2, and Backhanded Compliment. Elvis is a policeman. Baby Crocodile and the Happy Twins. Leftover Potatoes? Station Wagon 3. Herbie Goes to Hell. New episodes available every other Saturday. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Gareth Reynolds with zero points and Ali Spagnola with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Gareth, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the Green Bay Packers from the 1990s until today, Back to the Future, and Animals. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, you said you know a lot about the Green Bay Packers from the 90s until today. Well, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the Packers, they're just a team that you must watch. You have no choice. So I was just kind of indoctrinated into the Packer world and watched a lot of Packer games. And I feel like over the years, when I wasn't paying attention to history, I was absorbing things about the Packers. So mm-hmm. hopefully that, that maintains. Do you have all the cheese paraphernalia? I Well... Y- yes is the one word answer, Helen. Uh, I it's a thing that like I think because people don't know what to give me, they're always like, "Hey, this Packer thing." So now I slowly I'm like, "This is becoming a problem over here." Like, Do you have the cheese head hat? Yeah, yes. Oh. That's, the, that's the starting project, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> Ground floor. What are some of the more unusual items that people have given you in the Packers paraphernalia? Oh uh, well, they'll give me like action figures of the quarterback, which always feels weird because I, I'm just getting too old now, and like I'm older than the guys by so much that I'm like, I, sh- I feel weird having like a 35 year old being like hey this is my hero hopefully i get to meet when i grow up i want to be like aaron Rodgers." you don't <laughs> well it's hard because i'm more grown than him oh all right fair enough also you say you know a lot about the movie back to the future yeah i when i was a kid that movie was like the best movie i'd seen i watched it a ton and i feel like over the years i've you know, seen it a number of times and retained some of the... What about the movie appeals to you so much, you think? Well, I wanted to be Michael J. Fox, so that was important. I mean, it is just like... I mean, it's such a a groundbreaking film in the way that it was just such a mainstream kind of sci-fi movie, and I don't know, it just was... And even the cast, like Crispin Glover, is like the weirdest guy, but you're like, yeah, George McFly is just a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Terrific. And then finally, you said you know a lot about animals. Well, I, I mean, and that's a, quite a net I've cast myself. Yes. Uh, I, uh, By the way, because, I should point out, I asked you uh, when we were emailing about this if you'd like to specify, and uh, your reply was, earth animals. <laughs> so I believe you are digging your own grave here, sir. Well, Jay Keith, I was very busy at the time and now recognize I probably should have written something more specific than earth animals, because it's actually space animals that oh, I know no. a lot about. <laughs> Uh, oh. I think I meant planet Earth is yes. what I was trying to no, say. No, no, I but understand. <laughs> Wait, you're yeah. just a general animal lover? 
Yeah, yeah. One of the things I love about going to like Australia, like I was saying with my, is you can, there's wildlife is just so crazy and I, I'm fascinated by it, you know. And, and it, it can all kill you. A lot of it can kill you. Yeah. Most Do you have of a favorite can. animal? There's an animal in Australia, the one I was kind of talking about, called the quokka, which is like this tiny little marsupial <gasps> that, um, they're just adorable and the, yeah like they're smiling yeah they look they they actually do smile and that's why Allie, because they're actually smiling they smile for some reason no yeah they, they should you shouldn't tell too many people about them because they are literal magic mm-hmm. so they're quacko quackas 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 yes what a lot of people don't know is that they're smiling to mask the pain of their alcoholic family that's right no <laughs> yeah. that's true yeah, yeah that's right that's true or i might just be projecting no. uh, all right so to summarize gareth you said you know a lot about the green bay packers from the 90s till now back to the future and animals today earth animals and excuse me and earth animals again you did not specify i have to say animals today we want to quiz you about back to the future hey i was rooting for that one so how many times would you think that you've uh, seen the movie cumulative i would say i've seen the movie about 30 times all right that's a lot do you have a favorite scene you know, a lot of the stuff that takes place in the third act where he's at the dance with his parents mm-hmm. there and that story. You know, when the, the incest storyline is almost uh, at its breaking it's point. Juicy. It's, yeah. His it's family's juicy. starting to disappear. You know, yeah, at that, that, that's where it's the, the heightening point. Yeah, yeah, the incest stuff is real juicy. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you think about the sequels? I like the sequels. I mean, the third one was a little, felt a little rushed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the second one was great. The second one was a very great, yeah. I mean, I remember like trying to tell my parents like, if you can find a hoverboard, if you try, you know, and then being like, no, they're not out there. And I was like, well, I will find parents who will provide me with hoverboards. Wow. Yeah. And did you? I did. Yeah, I found wow. a couple. A- yeah, yeah. They have space animals. I found them. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, we got to have you back just to get through all those topics as well. <laughs> all right, Garrett, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Back to the Future to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Allie, do listen closely because if Gareth happens to get any of them wrong, you'll have a chance to steal. By the way, how much do you know about Back to the Future? I think I've watched it maybe a third amount of times that he has. So that's, oh, good, time. that's yeah. not bad. That's yeah. not bad. All right, good. Gareth, let's see if you give her a chance to uh, answer. Here's your first question about Back to the Future. While Marty doesn't seem to age, his mom sure does. Throughout the Back to the Future trilogy, we see her at age 17, 47, 77, and 107. What actor plays Lorraine Baines McFly throughout all stages of her long life? Oh, God. Uh, I should know this. This is a bad start. It is, uh, I could hear a pin drop in this room. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the first hint. All right, Helen, how about that first hint? Her first name sounds like a princess from Star Wars. Oh, uh, right, Leah Thompson. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. All right. You came back. Uh, Oh, we were all holding our sphincters tight for you. Yes, we were worried. We were like sphinctering it up in here. We got got four more to go, so uh, yeah. Uh, Fun fact, Leah Thompson was a guest on episode 26 of Go Fact Yourself, so please check that out. We had a lot of fun with Leah Thompson. Question number two, what discovery by Doc Brown did he say made time travel possible? What specific, the flux capacitor? That is correct. That is correct, yes, the flux capacitor. Uh, You did not need the hint there, but if you had needed it, Helen, what would that hint have been? It rhymes with the Blux Blablasseter. 
Thank you. That might have helped, but we'll never know. Thank you. All right, question number three. There's a notable difference between the version of the movie that played in theaters and the one that came out on home video. In the home video version, the movie ends with text on the screen written in the familiar Back to the Future style. What did this text say that people in theaters didn't get to read? To be continued. Helen? That is correct. He's on a roll, Gareth Reynolds. Question number four. On what date does Marty first travel through time? I should know this as well. Uh, it is the time he leaves? Yes. Okay. That is... You do have a hint available if you'd like to... I'll uh, take a hint. Helen, how about that second hint? It was less than a week before Halloween in the year the movie was released. Interesting. Interesting. We try to make our hints either interesting or helpful. Okay. Uh, October 25th, 1985? Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Allie with a chance to steal. It's October 24th, 1985. Helen? Not correct. No, you went one day the wrong way. It's October 26th, 1985. Ah. I'm sorry. No point there, but very, very close. All right, here we go with question number five. No hints available, but let's see how you do. In 1955, when told by Marty that the president in 1985 is Ronald Reagan, Doc replies, the actor? And sarcastically suggests who the vice president is. What famous person does he say? Uh, Jerry Lewis. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice. You didn't need the hint, but Helen, what would that hint have been? If he had been president, his wife would have been first lady. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry you ran out of hints. That would have been, that would <laughs> have been a lot are. of fun. We all are. Uh, fun fact, President Reagan quoted the movie's final line in his 1986 State of the Union address. <laughs> he was a big fan of the movie, especially his mentioning in it. Wow. Uh, all right, Gareth, you came back and did pretty well in that round, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. One of the most memorable characters in the film was the school principal, who didn't care for slackers, no matter what the era. For up to three points, what is this principal's last name, what is his first name, and what is the name of the actor who played him? Oof. Oof. Uh, His name is Strickland. Mm -hmm. Gosh, the name of the actor, I do not know. I mean, the most familiar guy I should know. Want to take a guess at what his character's first name was? I want to say Dean, but that's so so arch. Uh... (laughs) I would say, let's say Lou. Lou, all right. And then you want to give a, give a stab at who the actor was? I could not. I would be inventing a name for you. you want to just give a shout out to one of your friends? Uh, yeah. Uh, how about Evan Mann? All right. Yeah. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight via phone from his home in Lake Placid, New York, is an actor who's made his mark on Broadway, TV, and movies, including all three Back to the Future movies. It's James Tolkien. James Tolkien. Oh, wow. What? Hello, Mr. Tolkien. Are you there? Can you hear us? Yes, I am. I don't think you got any slackers out there. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I was hoping he would say slackers, and he did. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, w- when you walk down the street and people run into you, do they want you to say slackers or to have you call them a slacker? They, they often want me to say, call me a slacker. So I say, <laughs> you're a you- slacker, and they love it. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. Uh, we're yeah. going to talk about Back to the Future in a little bit, but I also want to talk about some of your other work. You've been in movies like Top Gun, Dick Tracy, War Games, Serpico. You also played Napoleon in the Woody Allen movie Love and Death. But I want to yes. first talk about your Broadway career. You were in the original cast of a very well-known David Mamet play. Tell us which that was and what that was like. Well, in 1984, I was doing Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross on Broadway, the Mamet play. And it was that time that I got a call from Robert Zemeckis, who I didn't know who that was, 
to do this little movie out in Hollywood called Back to the Future. Mm. And I've always said as an actor, I'm never going out to Hollywood until somebody from Hollywood sends for me. And I thought this would be the opportunity. So I went out to Hollywood and did Back to the Future, and I stayed out for about eight months and had a great time out there after 40 years of working in the theater. Wow. Wow. Now, Glengarry Glen Ross ran for hundreds of performances. You did not have as much luck with a show called 42 Seconds from Broadway. Uh, how long did that show play? That was one performance. One performance only. That, that was with, uh, who was that with? Who was the star of that? The Fonz. Was it really? It was Henry, Henry Winkler. <laughs> yeah, Henry Winkler. One performance. Wow. But then he went on to do something else. Yes, I would, I would think so. You mentioned that you were a New York actor for a long time. You actually studied at the Actors Studio. With whom did you study at the Actors Studio? Oh, with Lee Strasberg and also with Paula, his wife. Wow. And you, uh, did I read correctly, also studied with Stella Adler? I studied with Stella Adler first for three years, and then I started working, and then I, uh, there was something in my acting that I needed to uh, fulfill, and I got that from Lee. They both are quite different. Lee... Uh, approaches acting from the inside out, and Stella approaches acting from the outside in. Mm. So it's uh, it's nice to have the combination of them both. Wow. Now, you've played a lot of bad guys, a lot of villains, a lot of authority uh, figures. Uh, did you embrace that, or did you always wish you could play a nice guy? No, it's much more fun playing the bad guys. Okay. And like Stella Adler said, uh, you know, harden a character that you can do all the time for the professional theater. Mm. And uh, when you're in the theater, you can do a great, great variety of roles, which I've done a great variety of roles. Absolutely. Comic and so on, you know. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Back to the Future. A lot of people who know the movie know that originally before Michael J. Fox was on it, Eric Stoltz was uh, cast in the role. Did you shoot any scenes with him? I did, but it was awfully strange. Um, I think we were about seven weeks shooting, and um, on that very day, he was in the makeup room saying, well, they can't fire me now. And actually, that day, he was fired. No! Wow. But it was not because of... No yeah, way. I know. I know. Hollywood uh, but, is rough, uh, man. It was not because he's not a good actor. He's right. a great actor. But they needed a little lighter touch, and they waited for Michael J. Fox mm. to quit his TV series. Then we started all over again. And that was a huge decision by Bob Gale and, and Michael Zemeckis. And they said all the planets had to be aligned for it to work, and it certainly did. And, uh, you know, we're still talking about it all these years yeah. later. It's quite amazing. It really is. Wow. Uh, in the movie, of course, they go back to 1955. You were around in 1955. How did you feel about how 1955 was depicted in the movie? I love it. my favorite part. It was so crazy. Well, you know, when I take the shotgun and shoot at these guys and call them slackers, and it was just, it was just, just totally loony. Yeah. How did you first hear that there were going to be sequels, and was that something you were looking forward to doing? Oh, well, I didn't know, but one evening Bob Gale came up and said, would you like to do part two? And I said, well, yes, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. Yeah, just, that is simple as that. Yeah. The movie was a really big hit when it first came out. Did you start getting recognized on the street? Like, did people st start stopping you on the street right after the movie came out? Well, it did, but not as much as from Tap Gun. Mm. Uh, but, it, but it got me going out there. Yeah. It got me going in, in, in the West Coast. You go around and do a lot of these Back to the Future conventions. What's that experience like for you? Oh, I love doing it. I'm, uh, I'm, in, I'm in fact, and I'm coming, one coming up in Chicago and then uh, in Brussels and then Germany and this summer going to be in Paris. And I love doing them. I, I don't appreciate the travel, but I still am amazed at my fans and the fans of Back to the Future, and I think it's wonderful.
That's terrific. You mentioned to me that you're actually retired now from acting. You consider yourself retired? I am retired. I'm living up here in Lake Placid, living the good life after 50 years of uh, theater work. Uh, actually, I was just offered a film that's going to be filming in the Czech Republic uh, in April, but I haven't gotten the script yet. I'll probably do it, but I'm not looking for any acting work. Well, no. It sounds like a lot of your career you weren't looking. It just came and found you. <laughs> Well, that's kind of right. That's kind of because, you know, I had a great many other uh, interests. I always considered acting as kind of a a serious, but uh, as kind of an avocation. Mm. And I took other things just as serious as that. Like what? What were your other interests? Well, I was a serious collector of American folk art, and I studied American folk art and put together a great collection of American 19th century American weather vanes. And uh, I was known for that in New York. And that was a very serious sideline on my part and um, then when I'm now I, I've never, when I'm not working I never worried about it mm. I always uh, did something else and then I got interested in uh, Goju Karate and I took up uh, yoga Swami Satsadananda in a macrobiotic diet and that was when I was 38 years old and then within one year it was as if, as if I was 18 years old again and 50 years later you're still doing those practices to some degree, I am, yeah. yes, absolutely. Wow, what a life. What a life, I know. It's yeah. a great life. It is. I feel well, so fortunate. Well, it, it, it's... I've survived everything. <laughs> you and, did. Um, I have a great wife. We sit home here in the winter, get the fire going, and uh, cook good meals. And then I'm in the gym three, four days a week. And, wow. Uh, in the summer, I play golf and swim. So um, <laughs> I live a great life, yes. Not bad. Well, we're, we're humbled and, and grateful that you decided to share some of, some of it with, <laughs> okay. us, with us tonight. Thank you so much. All right, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Gareth. Uh, first, we wanted yes. to know, in Back to the Future, what was the principal's last name? Helen, what did Gareth say? Gareth said Strickland. And Mr. Tolkien? Strickland. Strickland is correct. One point for Gareth. <laughs> Next, we wanted to know what the first name of the principal was. Helen, what did Gareth say? Gareth said Lou. And Mr. Oh. Tolkien? Stanford. Stanford. And uh, that was a very deep cut. The only time that Stanford is shown as his name is on the tardy slip that oh, he gives wow. to... Uh, it's to... very subtle. Very yes, subtle. Very, very, very subtle. But okay. we thought Strickland was, uh, was going to be easy to get, so we wanted yeah, to balance yeah. it yeah, out. Of course. Uh, and finally, we wanted to know what was the name of the actor who played Principal Strickland. Helen, what did Gareth say? Gareth oh, said Evan Mann. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm wrong. Is he? What did he say? He said someone named Evan Mann. I never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Who did play that role? James Tolkien. James Tolkien, yay! Gareth, I'm, is there anything you'd like to ask or uh, well, say? Well, I am or ashamed. I am to... ashamed. I did not get your name right, obviously. But truly, if you had told me that I would ever talk to you on the phone, I would have. Uh, I would have punched the person telling me. It is uh, really an honor, and uh, I look forward to coming staying you uh, in Lake Placid. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so very much. And I have one more thing to say. Yes. Slackers of the world unite! Yay! James Token, what a great honor and pleasure. Thank you again, sir. Uh, My pleasure. Thank that, you. Thank you. That is crazy. Isn't that cool? That is so crazy. Yes. What a cool dude. Yeah, what a life. He's like hashtag goals. Yes. <laughs> Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Gareth Reynolds has five points, and Ali Spagnola has zero points with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Ali about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Gareth and Ali will go head-to-head in our fast fact round, all to find a winner and go fact yourself. Hey, I'm Janet Varney, and like many of you, 
some more recent than others, I used to be a teenager. In fact, just about all of my friends were too, including wonderful women like Alison Brie. I'm dead center on the balance beam. And this is like a big gym. All the ki kids' parents are there watching. I have to stop, like, you know, when you have to pee so bad and you can't even move. And then I just go. I just pee oh, right in the middle no. of the high balance beam. <laughs> so join me every week on the JV Club podcast where I speak with complicated, funny, messy humans as we reminisce about our adolescences and how they led us to becoming who we are. Find it every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Gareth Reynolds with five points and Ali Spagnola with zero points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. All right, Ali, a chance to put some points on the board. Of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Futurama, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and CrossFit. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First of all, you said Futurama. Yeah, I used to watch that on Adult Swim. I actually never saw it, like the original broadcast mm -hmm. stuff. And then it was bought by Comedy Central, and mm -hmm. it was always on right when I would come home from my workout. And so I just saw all of the episodes repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And what about it appealed to you, you think? It was great timing. Okay. <laughs> but, it, it was on? Right. But it's also like funny and lowbrow and highbrow at the same time. Mm. They're nerdy jokes, and I love The Simpsons, too. So that series just really stood out to me. All right, great. You also said you know a lot about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, I have binged watched that a couple times. That's the only artwork in this world that inspires me so much that I just want to stop making stuff. <laughs> like if I see a good painting, I'm like, yeah. that's so cool. I want to make a great painting too. Mm -hmm. When I watch Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I'm like, this is perfect funny. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and watch this. I give up. I can't, wow. I'm not going to make wow. art. Yeah. Uh, what, is it, it what is it that you like about it so much? What is, what is it about you that uninspires you so much? <laughs> it's just like the timing on all the jokes, and it's so rapid fire, and the characters are written so well. I just I can't do any better, so that is it. All right, terrific. Wow. And then finally, you said you know a lot about CrossFit. Yeah, I like fitnessing. Mm -hmm. I have abs. I'm currently sore. Wait, what? You have abs? Yeah, I know, right? What's that like? I, <laughs> I just <laughs> It's great, because then you don't have to put a shirt on on Instagram. <laughs> And I'm sure your viewers appreciate that <laughs> yeah. very, very much. What is it about CrossFit that, uh, that appeals to you more than other fitness programs? Uh, it, the level of challenge mm. that it just feels like you, you push like to the limit and then go a little bit further. And I really mm. like that. That's cool. What well, is it about CrossFit that makes people so CrossFit? Yeah. That, that it is competitive, you know, you're going against the other people in your class oh, okay. and there's a community and not. You yeah, know. as you can probably tell, I know nothing about CrossFit. <laughs> so whatever you can, whatever you can fill in. Is, I can is barely spell CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs> what have been uh, some of your recent accomplishments in that? I know you, you keep track of sort of what you lift and what oh. you accomplished there. Well, actually, I just became a CrossFit trainer. Oh, oh that's yeah, I got my L1. It was so recent, I, they didn't even send me my certificate yet. So, hopefully so we're just going to have to take your word for it? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. We usually like proof on the show do you do the tire turning i do that's flipping is what we call right. it, us bros that's yeah. what i meant turning i think would make it a lot easier because you just <laughs> you just kind of push it and it just where rolls do, where do they get the giant tires they just go to the junkyard and they give me the biggest tire you've got they're just like fields of monster trucks just sitting without tires because all of these crossfitters <laughs> wow. are stealing them. it's an epidemic please give generously this holiday season all right so to summarize ali you said you know a lot about futurama unbreakable kimmy schmidt and crossfit today we're going to quiz you about futurama yay Phew, j keith that it's not crossfit yes Phew. no I, I didn't want to have to out 
squat you? I don't even know the terms. I literally know nothing about it. There was a gym near me, and I, they had, like, you know, a free trial thing, and there was a thing where you jump on a, on a box, and, uh, nope. Um, <laughs> do you have a favorite episode uh, of Futurama? I like the one where Bender turns into God, and he has a body or a small people, like, living on his body. You like yeah. that kind of stuff? Great. Wow. And uh, uh, there, it's known for a lot of its great lines. Is there any that uh, resonate with you? Any famous line of dialogue? Bite my shiny metal A. You can say it. Ass. Okay. <laughs> Is that something you get to use in your everyday life as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, I do CrossFit, so my ass is shiny and metal. Oh. <laughs> wow. Uh, goals, Damn. I guess that's, a, that's what the kids are into these days. <laughs> wow. uh, all right, well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give a chance for you to show off, here are your five trivia questions, each worth a point. If you want it, you get two hints for these five questions. Gareth, do listen closely because you can steal if Allie gets any wrong. How much do you know about Futurama? Not a ton, but it's the one I know most about out of her three options. All right. So if it had been CrossFit... What could you have offered? Judging by the terms, she's used very little. Okay. Uh, very We're in the little. same boat. Yes. Very, yes, exactly. Yes. Doughy white bearded guys unite, yeah. right? Yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. Right. yeah, we need a spot. We're here for each other. We are, buddy. Yeah. All right, here we go, Allie. Here's your first question, Futurama. <laughs> Futurama was an animated show that first aired on Fox and was created by Matt Groening, who created what other animated show that aired on Fox at the same time? The Simpsons. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. One point there. Question number two. Futurama features some great voice actors, not the least of which is one of the best around, who by some counts provided the voice of about 50 characters on the show, including Philip J. Fry, Dr. Zoidberg, Professor Hubert Farnsworth, Zap Brannigan, and Richard Nixon's head. Who is he? Billy West. Helen? That is correct. That is correct as well. Two for two. You're coming back. Here's question number three. Leela, the one-eyed mutant of the bunch, is usually called Leela, but that's actually her last name. What is her first name? Tarunga. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Allie is three for three. Uh, fun fact, Taranga Leela, two words, was named after an orchestral music piece called Taranga Leela, one word. Question number four. That is a fun fact. That is, thank you. Finally. <laughs> say you know sometimes your facts are yeah no it took till episode 54 to Helen yeah. for Helen to enjoy no, one that, of the fun facts that was actually a fun right wasn't that a fun fact all right yeah okay I appreciate the guidance yeah. uh, for the for the for the shows next year we'll try to uh ask the same question I really don't know how we're going to improve that but I appreciate the love all right question number four Allie one of Futurama's iconic recurring visuals is its depiction of famous people's heads in jars but which of the following people was not shown with their head in a jar on Futurama was it William Shatner Heidi Klum Derek Jeter Martha Stewart George H.W. Bush or the Beastie Boys the Beastie Boys were in one of the episodes, so no. Um, so was Martha Stewart. I want to say Derek Jeter. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Ali Sagnoli wow. is four for four with no hints. Wow. Here is question number five. In a season two episode, a top ten list is shown with Bender's most frequently uttered words. This list includes the words chump, pimp mobile, up, and yours. <laughs> Ali is... Allie is wringing her hands with glee, waiting to answer this question. According to this list, what is his number one most ordered word? Oh, crap. Oh, wasn't the Wait, one no, you were no, thinking it, of. <laughs> no, I, I'm just laughing because that's like such a funny concept. This, this is also why I love this show. Huh. I know there's also bite my shiny metal and ass on there. Mm -hmm. But we're and looking for the number one. The number one. Oh, it's something like bouquet or... You do have a hint available if you'd oh, like yeah, to use yeah, a hint. Yeah, I would love to use a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? When this word is used in the Bible, it refers to an animal, but it still makes kids giggle. 
Oh, so it is ass. Is okay. that your? Yes, just ass. Say it loud and proud. <laughs> ass, final answer. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Allie Spagnola is five for five. And now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The answer is worth up to three points. As an acclaimed show, Futurama has been nominated for 14 Emmys, winning six of them. Those six wins were spread across three different categories. For up to three points, what were those three categories for which Futurama has won an Emmy? Best animation, best writing, is that even an Emmy? And who? I don't know. What else is is really impressive about <laughs> best jokes? That's not a thing. <laughs> um, oh, best voice performance. Okay, so we've got best animation, best writing, writing, and best voice performance. All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Here with us tonight is a comedian, writer, and producer who has worked on Family Guy, The Comedy Central Roasts, and Two Broke Girls, and who won an Emmy for Futurama. It's Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe, come on out here, sir. Welcome, Mike Rowe. Hello, Mike Rowe. Welcome. Welcome. No. That's weird that yeah. they would stand. Yeah, it's very that's weird. That's nice. I don't know that they knew and me. It's weird that you would wear a tuxedo. Yes. Yeah. And no pants. And no, yeah. Yes. It's weird. Uh, first of all, you were, for our listeners, you were wearing an Angels hat, which immediately won my heart because I assumed you were an Angels fan. No. Uh, no. It's just cheaper than a hairpiece. It is. <laughs> you know. And goes no. well with the tux. Yes. Uh, yes, it goes very well with the tux. No, uh, one, well, no one could accuse me of wearing a fake hat. No, they could not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks like a, a real hat from what I can yeah. tell. Yeah. It meets so, the basic requirements of hats. So actually, so you, my, my expertise is also physical training, in case you, you can't tell and that people don't know <laughs> yeah. at home. So I, I can also answer any sort of PX stuff. Or- Excellent. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, we're here to talk about Futurama. Okay. Uh, uh, before we get started, there is another person in comedy and in television named Mike Rowe. Uh, yes. People might know him from Dirty Jobs. Uh, have you crossed paths with Mike Rowe or been confused in any situations for I, him? I have not met him. Uh, oddly, though, it's funny. Just the other day, this is true. I, I, I don't know why I was on the Television Academy website, but he was credited for winning my Emmy. No! No! Did you call someone immediately? I have not. I have not. Because I have the trophy and he has a thing in the website. And okay. so, <laughs> I guess, I guess it is probably the more important of the two. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about some of your other work. You actually worked on two recent projects on Netflix. Tell us about those. Both are coming out in the second season. One is called The Trailer Park Boys. Woo! Oh, so people know The Trailer Park Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, uh, it's a Canadian show that's been around forever, but they brought me in when they wanted to uh, turn it into an animated series. And uh, so I'm just starting season three of that. Congratulations. Already. And what's the other one? It's called Paradise PD. That's also on Netflix. Um, no moves. No moves for that one. No, <laughs> yeah. It's about stupid cops. It's okay. animated and it's really filthy. Awesome. But, uh, uh, but that'll be on Netflix also starting soon. Terrific. You wrote for some of the great comics of yesteryear, let us say. Uh, you wrote for Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, for Rip Taylor as well. Oh, yeah. How did you get jokes to those uh, comics as you were starting out? Well, the Rodney Dangerfield is an interesting story because I'm from Connecticut. I'm in a, from a small factory town called Waterbury. So I knew as a kid, because I did stand up for 10 years. So I loved watching comics. And I didn't know yet that I wanted to be a writer. But when I was 17, I used to love 
love watching Rodney on The Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. This is how far back I go, The Tonight Show. But uh, to the point where I like, memorize his jokes and tell them to friends. I'm 16 and telling friends jokes about lawyers and divorce and my <laughs> wife. But, but then I was watching one night, watching The Tonight Show, and Rodney's on and he kills. And then he sits with Johnny and then he keeps going. Mm -hmm. But there was a moment where Carson got him to talk about his real life. And he talked about the club he had in New York called Dangerfields. I've and performed there many times. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's, they have not updated it since he owned it. Like, it's like a time cap. It's cre Like, don't sit on the furniture. It's gross. <laughs> Is his ghost walking around in a robe? It feels that way. I mean, it's... Because he it's, walked around in a robe there all the time. Yeah, I would see him in Beverly Hills uh, just on the sidewalks. Yeah, in an open robe and, and no shirt. Uh, <laughs> but as a kid, I, when he said... He said, I have this club called Dangerfields. He used to go by the name of Jack Roy when he started. So as a kid, I thought, well, I can get to him if I, with that information. I can write a letter to Dangerfields and get it to Jack Roy, and that would get his attention. But mm. I thought, well, this has to count if I'm going to do that. So I got my mom's typewriter, her manual typewriter, and I typed out two pages of jokes, like Rodney jokes, and then sent him and then kind of forgot about it, you know, and then one day, like, the phone rings, and my mom's, like, at the bottom of the street. Mike, there's a Rodney on the phone for you? What? I'm like, what? I'm like, you know, 17, 16, whatever. And I'm like, hello, hello? Yeah, it's Mike. It's Ronnie. How you doing? You okay? You all right? How you doing? You all right? You're... I'm like, holy shit. You know, you know, these jokes are pretty good. You know, I like them. They're all right, you know, but they're not for me. I don't, you know. But he kept me on the phone for, like, 15 minutes saying that he thought I was funny. And then I told him I wanted to do stand-up. And I didn't know about the improv and all that stuff. Yeah. And he told me about those clubs. And don't come to my club. It's no good, you know? <laughs> you, know. <laughs> well, you were successful in getting some jokes uh, that he used. Do you remember yeah, yeah. Uh, any of them? You know, it's funny. I, I'm writing a memoir. I don't know why for the nine people that will read it. But because uh, I was trying to think and I couldn't. The only thing I thought of was something like, because this is how long ago it was. Uh, my, this is the bicentennial year. My, my wife, I, I can't remember. All right. so something about sex every 200 years or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I think we get, I think we get the idea. I'm remember. surprised you can't remember everything you wrote in 1976. I know. Right? <laughs> Crazy. You wrote for SNL also. You've done some sitcom writing. How did you get into animation? The first thing I worked on was actually I wrote a movie with Bob Odenkirk and it was a takeoff on black exploitation mm -hmm. movies. And right when I finished that, they were looking for a writer on, uh, Eddie Murphy had a show called the PJs. Mm -hmm. It was like a formation animated mm -hmm. show. So I just finished this thing and I said, let me hand that in as a sample. So it was so perfect for the show. And that was the first animated thing I worked on was that show. That cool. script helped me get how the is, show. How is working in animation different than maybe you would expect it? I'd like it much better because you don't really have to deal with actors a lot. You know? <laughs> how <Yeah>. dare you? <laughs> See, I'm just saying. All right, well, let's talk about Futurama now. How did you get the gig at Futurama? There used to be a yearly bowling event for writers. It was for charity. And this is when I was working on the PJs. Mm -hmm. And I just happened to meet David Cohen, who co-created the show with Matt Groening mm -hmm. at the event. So we just kind of hit it off. And then all of a sudden, like a week later, I get a phone call. And they said, there's a writing opening there. Do you have a script? And I sent the script over, and he and Matt Groening liked it enough to call me in for a meeting. I mean, they're just really smart and cool and laid-back guys, and it was such a great meeting. And I think the thing was, out of high school, I worked for NASA. I worked on the space shuttle. What? 
Yeah, I went. <laughs> These are the most interesting lives of experts that I think we've ever had. Holy, you just happened to mention. Oh, by the way, I work on the space shuttle. Well, I, it's so funny, this was like went, a year after the Rodney Dangerfield episode. Yeah, You're building spaceships. Yes, yeah. because due to high school testing, it was deemed that I was not college material. <laughs> But you were NASA material? So they sent me, I went to a technical high school ah, and learned okay, electronics. Okay. So out of that, so I got the, anyway, especially like David Cullen and Matt Groening and Futurama, as soon as I t- started talking about NASA, they're mm. like ready to show me my office. That's you so know, cool. It's like, you know, it was That's really kinda, cool. So uh, Gareth was talking about the writer's room at uh, Arrested Development. What was the writer's room like at Futurama? Was it similarly nutty? Or is it more sober and focused? Those guys were so interesting and so crazy smart and so unique and so oddly funny. And I think they liked me because I was more of the cornball stand-up guy and just kind of more energetic and stuff like that. But it's funny because like writer's rooms, a lot of times they'll stop and start getting into conversations of Mm -hmm. what TV shows suck and somebody (laughs) who had a bad date and who wasn't invited to a party. But Futurama, you stop to talk like, like about the, uh, the perpetual motion machine, you know, (laughs) the schematics are being drawn out and, you know, that's really cool. The show of course was on uh, Fox and then there was a, a gap of several years before it went back. You worked in both eras. Were you surprised to find yourself back there after so many years? I I was hired back, I think, three times. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I was there in the beginning of Fox. I would I just missed the first season. I came into mm-hmm. second season and stayed through all the incarnations mm-hmm. of it. How did it change when it went from Fox to Comedy Central? The room got much smaller. <laughs> okay. Not to mention the paycheck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Well, a lot of the a lot of the animation. Uh, they used to have a lot of 3D animation as well in the Fox days. And then, did I, do I have that right that they did less of that when I went to Comedy um, Central? Not, not quite. Okay. I know. Also, they used to do live music and have a full orchestra, and they figured mm. out how to make the music pretty much one guy with a keyboard. Oh, okay. Uh, did it affect you much? No, no. In fact, it was it was even more fun because the room was smaller, mm-hmm. and in fact, it wasn't even in the on the Fox lot anymore was at Matt Groening's uh, comic book place. It was like in his little room there. Oh, that's fun. Okay. And then you worked on the show as a writer, as a producer, as a supervising producer, as a co-executive producer. How did those roles change or are those just fancier words for writer? (laughs) It's fancier word for writer and it kind of means you get paid a little more. Okay. But uh, truly one of the great things about working with David Cohen um, and you kind of wish and hope all rooms would be like this is that everyone in the room is uh, treated equally and mm. everything you have to say is listened to equally even like the writer's assistants would pitch sometimes mm. and, and it would be considered you know it's just I've got to run rooms you know a bunch of times but and I learned from that of like you know let the more relaxed the room is the more creative people are going to be then the freer they're going to be and they're going to at least in what I've seen they're just going to be funnier it's just better that's great uh, we mentioned of course that you won an Emmy for the show what was your Emmy award show experience like it was great I mean it's did you wear pants <laughs> Excellent follow-up question, Helen. Pants, yes. Shirt, no. Oh, okay. It was a weird thing because also you had 45 seconds starting the time of your announcement to go up and do the speech. So you literally oh, had they to... count like the walk? Yes. No! Oh, so you that's had to sprint. Literally, people are <laughs> sprinting, and then you get up and go, thank you, but... Um, but it really, to me, it was like winning the Super Bowl ring and not even in a sense of like, I'm such a great writer and this proves it. It was more like the kid in me winning the trophy mm. and the trophies I didn't win in sports yeah. and, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Because I, I, I'm not even sure what it means in the industry or yeah. how it's weighed out there. And it, that didn't matter. It's just like it's it was like a goalpost, you yeah. know, it was like uh 
uh, a goal I wanted to reach. You That's know? great. Excellent. Uh, well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Ali. We wanted to know in what three categories has Futurama won Emmys? What was the first answer that Ali gave us, Helen? Ali said best animation. Mike? Yes. All right, yes. It was out- outstanding individual animation. Is that the one you're, you're uh, referring to? Or for best animated program? Best animated program. So you're going to count best animation as animated program? Yes. What a benevolent what, judge what, of whatever, your point. One point for Ali. more points. Because she promised to train me to get me into oh. shape. So you can do that 45-second sprint to get your award. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, if you win more awards, it sounds like you need to get more sprinting. Yes. More sprinting in. Excellent. All right, Helen, what was the next answer that Allie gave? Allie said best writing. And that, Mike? That is incorrect. No, I'm terribly sorry. No point there. But what was the third answer that Allie gave? Allie said best voice performance. Yes. Yes, that's another yes. point for Allie. Very good. That was two of them. Uh, so we mentioned Outstanding Animated Program. The other one was Animated Related uh, as well as Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation. That's, that's, a, that's a tricky one, but you still did quite well. Allie, is there anything you'd like to ask of uh, Mike Rowe or say to him? Yeah, you were saying that you liked animation because you don't work directly with the actors. So you don't interface with voice actors for animation writing? No, I, I do. But it's such a, an easier and more controlled situation. They're, they feel less vulnerable in a way, so they're, they don't get as uptight and they're not as worried about how they're being seen. And you can just do stuff over right away. And, you know, there's less pressure on the actors, so they feel looser and more free. Cool, cool indeed. Uh, Mike, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they find you? Uh, prison. Oh. Well, you really do have a memoir to write. Yes, I, uh, that's a long story. You should wear pants in prison. Yeah. Just... I, I do wear pants, but they're not mine. It's another <laughs> long story. Uh, here's how old I am. I'm on Facebook. I don't know. That's I, a thing. You know, that's I, a thing. Yeah, I heard of it. Okay, yes. great. Look, no, that, that's right. I, I don't know why anyone would need to find me, but, you know. Well, we're glad that we found you. It's wonderful okay. to have you here, Mr. Mike Rowe, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Gareth Reynolds has five points and Ali Spagnola has seven points. Oh, quite a comeback for Ali, but now it is time for a final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Gareth and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. And again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Gareth, the Guinness Book of World Records has been around for more than 25 years. True. Correct. Ali, the Guinness Book of World Records has been around for more than 50 years. True. Correct. Gareth, the Guinness Book of World Records has been around for more than 100 years. True. Incorrect. No, it was published in 1955. I pushed it. (laughs) Hey, no guts, no glory. Something (laughs) people used to say. (laughs) Ali, the Guinness Book of World Records keeps a record for the longest interval between the birth of twins. True. Correct. Gareth, the Guinness record for that is 14 days. Oh, what? Uh... (laughs) Come on, false. Correct. Allie, the Guinness record is three days. True. Incorrect. Gareth, the Guinness record is 87 days. What? No, false. Incorrect. No, it's true. 87 days. (laughs) That was said in 2012. (laughs) Allie, the Guinness Book of World Records was written by twins. False. Incorrect. No, it really was. Gareth, the last name of the twins was Guinness. True. Incorrect. No, it was McWhorter. Guinness was the publisher. Allie, the twins who wrote the Guinness Book of World Records are holders of a Guinness World Record. True. Correct. Gareth, their record is for the longest interval between the birth of twins. (laughs) False. Correct. (laughs) Allie, their record is for the shortest interval between the birth of twins. False. Correct. Gareth, their record is for the stupidest world record involving twins. Uh, False. Correct. Allie, their record is for the most true or false questions ever written about them. 
False. Correct. Gareth, we just broke that record. <laughs> False. Incorrect. Oh, we're not going to count those last ones. Let's have a nice hand to Allie and Gareth as Helen tabulates the final score. Uh, the Guinness record that the writers of the Guinness records uh, hold is for the best-selling copyrighted book of all time. Uh, by the way, Allie, you, I understand, hold a few Guinness World Records yourself. I do. I've, I've broken one, and I still currently hold two. For okay, what? For what? Yes. Yeah. I drank Guinness. <laughs> yeah, that's something. But, uh, Allie, very briefly, tell us about your Guinness World Record. I broke the fastest time to dress a bride, which has been broken since then. I'm... What? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a very useful skill. <laughs> I'm in the world's longest uncut fight scene. I'm the third boxer in okay. that. And I'm, you're looking at, oh, wait, this is a podcast. You're listening to the fastest woman on a space hopper. Wow. What's a space hopper? Yeah. It's <laughs> the number one question I get immediately. Yeah. It's that ball that's inflatable with a handle that kids jump around on. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. bouncy ball thing. A hippity hop. A hippity hop. Yeah, I believe that, that might be the brand name. Yeah. Excellent. Well, wonderful uh, to hear about that. Thanks. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner on today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Gareth Reynolds has seven points and Ali Spagnola has ten points. Congratulations, Ali. You are the facting champion. What will you do with your championship? I'm going to go break my own world record. All right. Right. Very good. Well, that just leaves us the opportunity for everyone on the panel to uh, promote any upcoming products, appearances, services, or websites. Gareth, where can people find you? What do you have going on? You can find me at Reynolds Gareth on Instagram and Twitter. I have a website where you can get my album and find out all tour dates for my podcast and stand up at GarethReynolds.com. GarethReynolds.com is wonderful to have you here, Mr. Thank Gareth you very Reynolds. Much. Pleasure. Ali Spagnola, what about you? I have a new podcast out that actually at this recording is not out, but is. For everyone who's listening, it's called Total Fitheads, and it's about fitness, and it's hilarious. Awesome. People can find that wherever they get podcasts. Indeed. Excellent. It was wonderful to meet you. Thanks so much for being here. Ali Spagnola. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you lucky, lucky people are lucky because my hosting partner and your co-host is Ms. Helen Hong. What do you have going on, my Helen? You can find my performance calendar at HelenHong.com and follow me on the socials at FunnyHelenHong. Because some other bitch named Helen Hong has my handle. She's back to being a bitch. Yeah. Interesting. She was a biatch okay, for a while. Okay, she's, she's a biatch. She's a biatch. Okay, she's, she's a biatch. Helen Hong, the very unbiatchy Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Gareth Reynolds, Ali Spagnola, James Tolkien, Mike Rowe. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Hussy609 did. He, she, or they said, I want J. Keith Van Stratton to be my BFF. He and Helen Hong are the perfect team. Thanks, Hussy609. Let's do it. <laughs> Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Carl Sagan and Andrian Theater at the Center for Inquiry in Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. Stephen Colon is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Sarah Rodenbaugh, Jay Kogan, Phil Lamar, Jessica Kelly, Jess Gwinovan, 
Parmalee Tolkien, Harut Kara Oglanian, Michael the Priz Prizboski at Priz Sound Company, Jim Underdown, Alice Pine, Spencer Marks, and everyone here at the Center for Inquiry, Mike Avellanos, Carol Davis, Adam Nedef, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go flip tires! Hi, this is Julian Burrell, the editor for Go Fact Yourself. Just a little taste of what you're going to get on the next episode. Dodgers reporter for The Athletic, Molly Knight, on the cheating scandal that's rocked baseball. Apparently so, all you have to do is spend $5 million on a fine to cheat, though, and then you could win yeah. the World Series. Yeah. Now, uh, you grew up a Dodgers fan? I did. Is that right? And, uh, yeah, I, I was born into this mess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and actor Oscar Nunez on what the cast of The Office did when they decided to quit their day job. We got picked up for like four shows, something weird, and I'm like, "Are you quitting your day job?" And she's like, "No, are you?" I'm like, "I'm like, no, anything can happen. We don't know what's yeah. gonna." And then we got picked up for a thing, and I'm like, "I'm fucking quitting." She's like, "I'm fucking quitting too." <laughs> That's all coming up on Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.